I'm Brian Zerman, AVP Client Content Strategy with Becker's Hospital Review. Thank you so much for joining us today. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Ben Mingle, President of the Centurion Foundation, Jim McManus, CFO of Adina Health Systems, Mike Doyle, Executive Managing Director of Newmark Credit Lease Finance, and John Marshall, Principal Advisor of Hall Render Advisory Services. For our discussion today, I, I'm very excited to have all these gentlemen with us. Um, everyone, welcome. I'm going to tap on each of you to, to do a brief introduction. Ben, why don't you go ahead and go first? Hey, good morning. Thank you. Ben Mingle with the Centurion Foundation. I'm our president, and we're a charity based in Atlanta. Uh, focused on helping other healthcare organizations uh, achieve their charitable mission through leasing, development, and finance. Excellent. Thank you for being here, Ben. Jim, why don't you go next? Hi, I'm Jim McManus, a Chief Financial Officer for Adena Health System. I've got roughly about 35 years of experience in various forms of leadership, uh, various health systems around the nation. Great. Appreciate that, Jim. Uh, Mike, how about you? Uh, good morning, everybody. This is Mike Doyle. I'm part of the Credit Lease Finance Group at Newmark. Uh, we're a national practice group of licensed securities professionals, and our role within the charitable foundation lease context is to source the investors to fund these transactions and to help assist the health systems in, in doing the financial engineering of these deals. Perfect. Thank you so much. And John, why don't you finish us off here? Hi, John Marshall. I am a principal advisor with Hall Render Advisory Services. We are a consulting subsidiary of the law firm Hall Render, Killing Heath and Lyman. And I come to this session and I come to this topic by virtue of spending about 17 years in healthcare facility development, working for two uh, national developers of healthcare facilities on behalf of hospitals. Now I work exclusively in advising hospitals on different real estate matters. Excellent. Well, uh, now that all our listeners have sort of the, the context of your perspectives there, let, let's get into the conversation. And and Ben, I'm going to tap on you to get the ball rolling here and, and lay the groundwork for, for what's to come in this conversation. And just could you give the listeners um, maybe some brief context on, on why the Centurion Foundation exists uh, and why the, the charitable, charitable foundation lease should matter to hospital finance and real estate executives? Great, Brian. It, it's a really simple um, it's a really simple answer. Um, we look at the healthcare real estate marketplace, and we believe that healthcare nonprofit healthcare organizations need a better, more efficient, and cost-effective third-party leasing alternative. You know, we think the traditional lease versus own analysis um, is somewhat flawed, and we think that hospitals are recognizing that today, and we want to be a resource to, to hospitals to to bring them a solution that is much more cost-effective than a historical third-party leasing solution. That's the, that's the bottom line brass tacks of what we're talking about today. You know, over, over the long term, if in, a, in a traditional third-party leasing solution, a hospital could pay for a core building three or four times. In, our, in all of our solutions, the hospital is only gonna pay for the building once. And it's, and it's a dramatic value transfer in favor of the hospital when you only have to pay for a building one time that you're leasing. Excellent. I appreciate you getting the ball rolling there. Sort of a very, very easy to understand in this environment why, why paying for buildings, uh, you know, three times or more is just, uh, that's just too much. Um, 
John, Mike, any, any additional context you can share here before we move on? Yeah, Brian, this is John. I'll go first. And, you know, an additional comment here on some of the context of why this matters today. Uh, just yesterday, I read three different headlines in one of the Becker publications about hospitals continuing to face ongoing pressures and margin challenges and revenue challenges. And this is an opportunity through the Charitable Foundation lease that can be an extremely effective solution to help mitigate some of these challenges and increase some cash flows to hospitals. You know, back to the lease versus own analysis, 25 years ago, hospitals might have only leased 20, 15, 20, 25% of a building, and the rest of the building was built up by third-party physicians. So there was a maybe more compelling reason that they wanted to offset some of that leasing risk and compliance risk to another party to own and lease and manage a facility. In today's world, that has reversed uh, dramatically, whereby hospitals now occupy the majority of buildings in many instances. And uh, furthermore, uh, lease accounting rules have changed, which Mike can speak to a little bit more effectively here, that makes... uh, leasing a little bit different than it was 25 years ago when leases could be off balance sheet. Yeah, Mike, let's, let's, let's turn to you now uh, and get you going. Um, can, can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, John sort of teed you up there, uh, but can you talk about those rules? Yeah, and John, a lot of what we're seeing in the market right now is being driven by the new lease accounting rules, which basically require that any lease obligations are put on the balance sheet. So if it's going to be on the balance sheet, a lot of health systems are saying, well, maybe I should own these properties if I'm not getting any uh, any financial reporting benefit. And I think as we look at core properties, and as you said, as, as more of these properties are 100% occupied by hospital employees, that's all driving systems to look at ownership type financing solutions. And that's really where the charitable foundation lease comes in. It offers what we think is the best of both worlds between ownership um, on a direct basis and the old landlord lease structures. Um, the benefits of ownership are reflected here in the lower costs of these, uh, of these foundation leases and uh, also the, the total control that the tenant has over the properties under this structure. And we can get into that uh, a little bit more later on in the uh, in the discussion. The benefits from a financial reporting standpoint can be significant as well. So the benefits of balance sheet and income statement um, mitigation are, uh, are, are a big driver in these uh, transactions as well. Excellent. So, so Ben, yeah, I'm gonna come back to you. Go, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, if capital scarcity continues to be competitive inside the hospital space, this is a solution that can free up and, and or reapply those capital challenges in other uh, other areas. Excellent. Well, I, I appreciate getting all the all, all, all the all the background here. Uh, but Ben, I'm curious if you can talk more about how the, the, the Centurion Foundation is really working to help hospitals reduce the cost of care delivery as well. Can, can you share a bit there? Yeah, sure. So we we say this a lot that we own a lot of real estate, but we're not in the real estate business. We're in the business of trying to reduce costs and reduce impacts of real estate ownership on a healthcare system over a long continuum of time. And and what that means is, you know, we don't have a set playbook that we're trying to hit a return. There is no return because our organization is a charity. We are trying to structure a transaction that creates tenant benefits, 
that helps drive a mission. So there's kind of like five things we're trying to solve for. We're trying to lower rent, okay? So that's going to immediately hit your operating expense. We're trying to get the right amount of balance sheet impact. We've got several different lease structures that would have different impacts on the healthcare system's balance sheet. We're trying to also minimize property taxes. So as a charity leasing to another charity, we're able in many states to maintain a property tax exemption. All of that benefit runs straight to our tenant over the term of that transaction. We're trying to give the tenant control, not only during the lease term, and what I mean by that is, as a charity, you know, we're not looking at, okay, the, the hospital wants to move this doctor group in and that doctor group out, and what's that gonna do to the valuation of my building and the IRR of my asset? We're not calculating any of those things as a charity, so we're going to be much more willing to, to accommodate a request from a tenant. And then control plays into, you know, ownership in some structures will transfer straight to the hospital at the end of our transaction, or uh, control looks like favorable purchase options that are fixed at the onset of most transactions, um, you know, right up front so the hospital knows exactly what they're going to be able to buy the building for at the end of the initial term of our transaction so those are the the five things that we're coming in and trying to balance on every single transaction that, that we approach with a health system and and you know and all those go into you know lower costs lower balance sheet impact you know not having to pull cash together um, when cash is so tight right now that that's what we're driving and how we're creating these benefits yeah, it, it, it's easy to conceptualize. You you take those five things and wrap them together. You're talking about a significant amount of benefits, right, Ben? Yeah, I think we're going to hit a, a example transaction with Jim here in a minute, and it'll and we can contextualize, you know, down to to real dollars on a on a deal for the listeners to to get a sense of how impactful this is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Jim, we'll come to you in a moment, but John, I'm curious if you can speak to. Uh, a bit more in terms of what types of facilities should really be considering uh, maybe using a charitable foundation lease? You know, it's pretty easy, honestly. Specific to healthcare-related facilities and assets, just about any building where a hospital or health system has a longer-term view of occupancy, you know, we would say something that might be greater than 10 years. That doesn't mean you have to do a 10-year lease with the Centurion Foundation, but generally where a hospital knows it's going to be in this space for a long time that it might consider some level of a core or important asset. And in those types of assets where the hospital might be leasing or want to lease or occupy a majority of the space. So these types of facilities uh, where we've had real life application in this Centurion Foundation model include medical office buildings, ambulatory care centers, ambulatory surgery centers, freestanding EDs and micro-hospitals, uh, select specialty care facilities, uh, behavioral health or inpatient rehab as an example, uh, administrative buildings, and this charitable foundation lease applies even to infrastructure-related matters. It could be an energy plant or a parking garage, anything that kind of supports the long-term mission of a health system or hospital, and it can be on or off campus. Excellent. So, so you know, Jim, let's jump into that specific example that that uh, Ben sort of alluded to just a bit ago. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about how the the Centurions Foundation's recent project you were involved in, how that played out, and in, in the results there? 
Sure, absolutely. So uh, this transaction occurred uh, just about uh, two years ago, and it was interesting because it occurred during the time, actually, we were in the midst of the pandemic. And uh, so all, all the better for improving our cash flow during that, during that time. Uh, I was at the time a system uh, chief financial officer uh, for a multi-specialty uh, system in the Pacific uh, Northwest. And we had uh, a series of uh, uh, facilities uh, classified as off-campus emergency departments, uh, four of them, three which were in operation, one which was in the process of being developed and uh, constructed uh, that we wanted to, uh, to monetize. And so uh, we actually uh, put out an RFP to 12 uh, REITs, 12 organizations who were interested in working with us in, in actually doing uh, some form of sale leaseback arrangement. And of the 12 that we, uh, uh, 12 RFPs we sent out, uh, eight actually responded. And then we narrowed the eight down to two for presentations. So one that we were actually familiar with and have done business with in the past, but we were not necessarily aware of the Centurion Foundation and how they worked in this space. And so as we went through the presentations, uh, I was actually very uh, astonished at the opportunities uh, that the Centurion Foundation put forth. And so we actually uh, went with them uh, to move forward with the transaction. And, and part of it was also uh, the speed at which they operated. We got the transaction done in a relatively uh, quick period of time. We were able to generate uh, in excess of $60 million uh, in cash flow from the transaction while at the same time uh, saving in excess of a million dollars a year in actual, our actual uh, lease expense. At the same time, we were able to get the properties uh, 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 tax exempt, which was a further savings uh, in the transaction as well. Uh, and also what was good at the end was the ability to structure the deal. At the end, we could actually uh, find a way to get the uh, land and the buildings back at a uh, nominal price. And so it was actually a very good uh, result uh, and uh, definitely would uh, do it again and again. And uh, uh, very, very pleased with the outcome, uh, both uh, working with Centurion, uh, the way they partnered with us, uh, as well as the economics that were generated from execution of the transaction. Excellent, I, I appreciate that. And those are certainly impressive re results there. Ben, can you help uh, help folks understand this even further? Can can you talk about uh, the comparative value generation here for, for this client as it compares, you know, against other for-profit owners? Yeah, absolutely, Brian. Happy to to give my my view of, of that transaction. You know, just for a little context for the for the group, um, I spent about fifteen years on the for-profit real estate ownership side before working uh, coming to work at a charity. Um, you know, I think Jim nailed a couple of the numbers. I, I saw that our rent factor uh, was about a million dollars a year less than the rest of the respondents. We were able to get a property tax exemption that was that was worth about eight hundred thousand dollars a year, somewhere six to eight hundred thousand dollars a year. Over and and Jim's organization had picked a twenty-year sale leaseback term. So when you extrapolate that out, it's you know roughly sixteen million dollars. Um, and then they they had picked this 20 year term and we were able to structure the financing with with Mike's firm so that at the end of the base lease term title transfers to the healthcare organization. You know, I don't believe and Jim can jump in here. I don't believe anybody else offered that if the buildings are still used in their current purpose uh, that they are today, 
that's probably worth a hundred million dollars right there. These are these are very high performing assets in a in a very hard to enter market. Um, so you know when I add all that together, I, I see a hundred and twenty five million dollars of benefit over the twenty year contract term for a healthcare organization. Um, when the starting point of the whole transaction was $65 million. And so those, those are some pretty powerful, powerful numbers on one, you know, relatively small transaction. Certainly. I appreciate you breaking down that further for our listeners as well. And I think what might be useful at this point in the conversation for folks listening is if you could maybe Ben, uh, perhaps briefly explain how, how this is structured, how a CFL is structured and, and how it works. Can you, can you share some of the ins and outs there? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to let Mike jump in here as well, because he, he's intimately involved in a lot of our structurings. You know, so, so to think of it at a very high level, there will be a charity, it, the Centurion Foundation or one of our subsidiaries will be the owner of the building. And that entity is a charity. Um, we will raise 100% debt for that transaction. Uh, we can raise that debt in the institutional debt markets. We can also raise that debt in the municipal tax exempt markets. Um, it could be publicly placed, though we're, we're rarely doing that. We're typically privately placing these bonds with investors. Um, and, and then from the, and we're and we're doing all that in a transparent manner with the client because we're we're bespoke customizing each deal for the client's needs. And they get to be involved or is not involved as they want to be through that process. I'm going to hand the hand the uh, microphone over to Mike here and talk about how that structure changes when we get to the different lease structures that we have in our portfolio. Yeah, and and again, the benefits of having a landlord uh, that's a charity uh, are obvious for for not-for-profit health systems. They're completely mission aligned uh, with their landlord, which is unique in the market, obviously. Uh, funding with 100% debt is really where a lot of the cost savings are driven from. Um, there's no equity in these deals, uh, and it is transparent. So the funds that we raise uh, are in the institutional investor market, and these are credit-oriented investors, meaning the debt is priced off of the credit of the tenant. So the health system itself, uh, its bond rating, its borrowing capacity are the benchmarks that we use for pricing the lease. Um, so that's what makes this such an attractive proposition from a rent standpoint especially when you're talking about systems like the one Jim was involved in previously that borrow at very low rates, because that's going to drive the rent. Um, so these, these markets are funded by bank investors. They're funded by institutional investors like insurance companies and pension funds. These are very stable providers of capital, even in volatile market times. Jim mentioned the previous deal we closed was at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, we're in a, a market today that's very volatile for different reasons, but the capital that we source is very stable in these types of market conditions. Um, in terms of the, the terms that you can uh, get in this market, it's very flexible and it's all driven by the tenant's objectives. Uh, and that's everything from the tenor of the transaction. You can do a lease that's five years. You can do a 30-year lease. Um, you can do these things floating rate or fixed rate. Uh, they can be done, as Ben mentioned, in the taxable market or in the municipal tax exempt market. Uh, and structuring the profile of the lease is also at the tenant's discretion. And that's with the with regard to the amortization of the debt itself. Uh, some transactions are fully amortizing over the lease term and title reverts to the tenant for a, for a dollar at the end of the lease. 
other transactions are structured as interest only, where there is no amortization of the lease over the term, and the rent is simply an interest only uh, expense. So there's a lot of flexibility there, uh, again, and it's all driven by the tenant's uh, objectives in any given deal. Thank you, Mike. And, and I want to, as we're, we're coming close on time here, I want to get to a final question for, for Jim. But Ben, do you want to do you want to weigh in on anything there that that, that Mike shared in terms of, um, you know, maybe comments about the, the tenant or hospital retaining control for those comments before? How does this happen and what happens at the end of the lease? Maybe shed some light on that before we move on. Yeah, um, you know, throughout the lease term, the tenant's typically the, the master lessor, and so they've got a lot of control over what happens in the space. And then at the end, based upon the structure we've cho chosen, uh, like Mike mentioned, you know, title's either going to transfer automatically or for a nominal amount, or there's going to be very prescriptive in most transactions, a fixed purchase option at a, at a price that we set today. So it's not a fair market value at the end. It's, it's the loan amount. So in a deal that we've, Mike mentioned interest only, in a deal that's been interest only, the purchase option is going to be whatever we paid for the building originally and any cost we capitalize. So in a real estate environment where usually values are escalating as rents escalate, um, this is the opposite. It's, it's flat. It's a fixed no number. In a structure that's got amortization or the, the, the profile has got amortization in it, you know, that purchase option is actually going down over time. And therefore, the, the, the healthcare organization is effectively building equity in a building um, through that purchase option. So that's, that's ben, how we, yep. Okay, I, I would, and I would just add that uh, in structures where we limit uh, the rent to an interest-only profile, the balance sheet reduction can be between 30 and 60% versus uh, the alternative of owning the building right on the balance sheet or doing a landlord lease. And that's very impactful for systems that are looking to manage their um, their credit ratings and their debt covenants. Perfect. I think that's very helpful for listeners to know. Appreciate you sharing those specifics, Mike, and and, and all the context, Ben. Jim, I I, I want to come to you now for for our final question, uh, and I'm curious what you would tell your your hospital CFO peer group, perhaps CFOs listening to this, that might be thinking about a, a new facility or, or using real estate to raise cash, but might be concerned about funding a new project or or selling to a for profit owner. Um, can, can you share your thoughts there? Sure, sure. I, I would actually uh, uh, kind of advocate here that a charitable fo uh, foundation lease uh, is a, a viable solution. Uh, it's a viable and, and a good alternative to uh, going to the taxable or non-taxable market uh, to issue. In fact, in some ways, it's compelling. And the points that were made here uh, by both uh, Ben and Mike, Ben made the point in his opening comments about you pay for the asset one time. I think that's a compelling piece right there. You're not paying over and over again. You're actually lowering uh, the cost of health care. And then Mike's comments regarding, uh, really, it's not a one-size-fits-all uh, uh, program. You have opportunities to uh, do a transaction that meets your needs, which you can decide you want to fully amortize uh, um, you know, over the course of your duration or do a hybrid lease or do a bullet and payment at the end, do interest only. And then also the retainment of control over uh, the assets as you go down the road. So uh, I, I would probably advocate to my peers that this is a program that is worth looking into and it's worth comparing, you know, against what your other alternatives are. And I think in doing so, you'll find that uh, uh, a charitable foundation lease kind of sits at the top there 
as far as the opportunity to lower your cost of healthcare, to generate savings, not just in the moment, but also over the long term, as, as Ben mentioned, regarding at the end of the deal as well. So those would be my, my comments to the peer group. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jim. Uh, but before we sign off here, any, any closing comments, any closing thoughts, uh, any of our, our great guests here would like to share with listeners? John, you've always got something to say. <laughs> I would add one final comment that don't forget about the likelihood or the opportunity for property tax exemption in certain markets. That is one of the other benefits of continuing to lower the cost of care where applicable. Wonderful. Well, Ben, Jim, Mike, and John, thank you so much for speaking with us. Uh, it, it's been a pleasure. I, I think it was very informative for our listeners as well. Thank you so much. Uh, I'd also like to thank the Centurion Foundation for sponsoring this featured session. Thank you so much, and we, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.